Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Do you dream of creating picture books that will change a child's life? I know I do. Learn how to find your voice at Picture Book Summit, a world-class online conference for picture book authors and illustrators. Join Picture Book Summit on Saturday, October 3rd, 2020 for keynotes from their award-winning, best-selling lineup, including author-illustrator Sophie Blackall, author Lisa Klein-Ransom, and author-illustrator Peter H. Reynolds. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get $100 off the regular price if you register by August 12th. Go to picturebooksummit.com forward slash winner. Going well! We connected! It's really happening! It is. (laughs) Finally. You know, there are moments in this quarantine when I'm like, I am going to celebrate that I do little things. And connecting on Skype is totally one of those things. Perfectionism is the enemy of the great. Unless you're talking about babies. Babies are definitely perfect. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 617. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm joined by Tamika Fryer-Brown. Tamika's newest picture book is Brown Baby Lullaby, illustrated by A.G. Ford. It's a story about the intimacy of new parenthood, that time when everything else disappears and the whole world becomes baby. I find that the selection of baby books that center families of color created by authors and illustrators of color is lacking. Moreover, I find the beauty of this book in particular to be really outstanding. Find a baby or an audience of a new parent or two and enjoy reading aloud this beautiful book to them. Please welcome my guest, Tamika Fryer-Brown, author of Brown Baby Lullaby. My name is Tamika Fryer-Brown and my pronouns are she, her, hers. I am a Black Joy book creator, uh, a seed sower, and honestly, a recovering perfectionist. Um, I'm also the mom of three, the spouse of one, and an only child. I used to be a full-time mom who wrote picture books on the side, but now that my girls are, you know, growing older and pretty much grown, I would say, and fairly independent, I think I'm now ready to claim that 
title of full-time writer. Congratulations. That's Thank that's you. awesome. Thank you. And really upfront to say, this is what writing looked like at this time in my life. And now that I'm sort of entering into another time in my life because of um, your daughter's aging, um, that you're able to to focus differently that that nugget of of wisdom and experience mm-hmm. is something I will carry for a long time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, life was life, and and I mean that was. I think I when I entered, you know, this path of pursuing publication, yeah. I was kind of clear about that. I mean, I was looking for something that was. You know, for me, I mean, I've been a, a full-time mom for you know about nine years with three kids, and um, which was wonderful. But of course, I reached that point where I was like, okay, I, I need something that's a bit more me-focused. Yeah. Um, but but I knew even then um, that it was going to be something. Um, more, more of a side gig because I, you know, at that point in my life, that was my vocation. You know, that's how I thought about, you know, motherhood as a vocation. And so, um, so yeah, when I entered, you know, the path that would lead me to becoming a published children's book author, um, that's where my mind was. And it stayed there for a while out of necessity. But, um, but now, now I'm at a different point. I'm ready. I, you know, I'm, I'm also hung up on this phrase. I love the black joy book creator phrase and mm-hmm. seed sower is something that resonates so deeply inside of me, but to call yourself a recovering perfectionist, I only slightly facetiously ask you, is that why you write in rhyme? Because boy, writing in rhyme really itches that I, I, I know as a, as a poet myself, when I write in rhyme, there are times when I'm like, oh yeah, that's really scratching <laughs> that need to have things metered and in order and, and, and how good it feels to just be like, oh, it's so nice. It works. But um, to hear the phrase is just delightful. Recovering perfectionist. Yeah. In, in lots of ways, you know, I never thought about it. That might have something to do with why I enjoy writing in rhyme. Um, it might be. I just think though, um, the recovering part is because I, you know, I realized that uh, my perfectionism is, or sometimes can be, um, I don't want to use the word debilitating, stifling, stifling, stifling my creativity and other, you know, even other aspects of my life. And it's not fun, you know, it's definitely, as they say, the enemy of the great. And I want to be great. And I recognize to be great, I kind of got to let go of trying to be perfect. Wow. So, so you write for children and this, this book that's bringing us together today, aside from Facebook, bringing us together. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yes. book, the book that's bringing us together today is, is Brown Baby Lullaby. You yeah. wrote a book for, for the very, very youngest for, well, for, anyone really but but to to engage at that place of of first hearing stories of first developing relationships of first understanding the world is a really beautiful place to write from i wonder i wonder how this story 
came to you, Tamika? Why, why now write this book? Well, um, I guess it was like, what, three years ago when I first penned the story. And it really um, was born of some nostalgic feelings that I was having in that moment, which I tend to have from time to time. You know, as your kids get older and mine are, are much, much older, um, you know, just these memories hit you out of nowhere sometimes about when they were babies and, you know, their, their little soft feet and the way they smell after bath and all those just beautiful memories of, of their babyhood. And I was just going through that moment and um, it struck me, I need to, I need to write this down. I need to capture these, these sensibilities and, and these, um, these memories. And so, you know, that, that's kind of what motivated it. And that's, that's how I wrote it. And it, um, and as I was trying to capture that down, it evolved into a lullaby. I love your rhyme scheme in this book. And I love that even hearing you now, the thought of, of almost building a scrapbook of the babyhood experiences that, that you have experienced with your daughters, that, that they end up being collected in that way, preserved in that way through this book form, I think is, is really, really sweet, really pure. Thank you. Um, in fact, uh, this is probably my daughter's favorite book that I've written because it's capturing their memories too, in a way. I mean, in the pictures that they've seen, um, I used to have a cabinet in my kitchen, um, that was just theirs and it had pots and pans and a spoon in it. And whenever they wanted to open a kitchen cabinet, you know, they would open that one and they would take the pots out and, you know, have their little banging time and, and reading stories together. I mean, my gosh, that, that was what we did, you know, um, multiple times a day we had story time and always at bedtime. And so I think it was just, you know, as, as, memorable and um as it is for me i think it's that way for them as well and um i don't know that's just a beautiful thing i'm glad that i was able to write that that i came up with that idea because that's something that um i can pass down to them and they can pass down to their children and, and it's just it just kind of captures a part of our family even though the family you know looks different than us um all, all of those memories, yeah, they're ours. And um, oh, that almost makes me a little bit emotional thinking about it. <laughs> it's so yeah. sweet. I love the, the, the rhythmic, rocking nature of this lullaby. I'm sure that that was by design, the, 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 the meter that you employ here. But if I can read some, would that be okay to read some to give folks a, an idea of what this book is? Absolutely. I'll, I'll start right from the top. I'm sure I'll read more later, but... Um, it starts, look, Mio, at the sun, setting now that day is done, moonlight's breaking, night's begun. Come, my sweet brown baby. Yeah. Zoom through yeah. every open door, round the room and hit the floor, bounce back up and zoom some more. Slow down, busy baby. Tamika, I love that. I love that in this rhyme and meter you've got these three lines that that feel like they move 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 with the baby 
Mm-hmm. And then that that fourth line, the last line of the stanza, slows us down just because it does because it's mm-hmm. it's the break of the break and the refrain of those stanzas and and that just that 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 structure that you're employing throughout this story i i found gave a very gentle tension mm-hmm. to raising a child which is exactly what it is isn't it <laughs> the tension yeah. that we parents have of like let the baby do their thing but then like all right baby time to take another step closer to bedtime yeah I, I, yeah, absolutely. And and also, I think it's an opportunity um, in that fourth line on each page is to just like honor and celebrate the baby. Yeah. You know, Name the baby celebrate. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, just just revel in those moments, um, because even, you know, I remember when you're in the moment, sometimes it can be hectic and harried and even a little frustrating sometimes. But um, but yeah, looking back from my perspective, it's just important sometimes to slow down and just revel in in your baby and and you know in the in the memories that you're creating. And so yeah, just each page just, you know, moving and then taking a pause. Did you I don't know what it looked like for you to to pen this story, but did you start with that rhythm? Did you find that right away or was that something you had to find your way into? Hmm. As best I can remember, I started with that rhythm. I could see that. I, I, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, it just, it felt like, you know, a soothing rhythm, which is what I was going for. Um, yeah, just, it just felt right. So I, I tend to often kind of catch on to a rhythm, uh, of what I'm writing early on, if not from the very beginning. So, so yeah. Yeah. And sometimes rhythm can inform what the story is, right? I understand that, that sometimes you, you can't divorce idea from, how would you say it? Like the, the the structure, the vehicle through which you're telling the story, that they just feel like one feeds the other. Absolutely. That's exactly how I write. Um, it's kind of, and it really is kind of a magical process, I guess, um, that I really can't explain. Um, but it does happen like that. It's just, it's like writing a song. And I think a lot of songwriters, you know, the 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 lyric and the rhythm and the musicality of it just all flows together. Yeah, it's your muse writing, yeah. isn't it? I don't know where that phrase came from, but it came out of me. So it came from the culmination of a a, a life lived. Yes, yeah. I like that. Yes. And I often say that I write by muse. And so do you <laughs> quite interesting. Yeah, yes, yes, I absolutely do. I, I often say that I write by muse. I'm not necessarily one of those uh, button chair writers, <laughs> as they call it. Sure. Um, which, well, yeah, which, which I, you know, as I move along and, and progress in, in this business, I'm trying to, to do that a bit more. But yeah, naturally, I, I write by muse. And, and it's, it works for me. So just to bring his name up up front in this conversation, A.G. Ford has created such 
beautiful illustrations for this book. Gorgeous. And I love, even just from the outset, that we we are starting with, for those that haven't seen the book yet, we're starting with a setting sun. So there's a band of yellow across the page, right? This is sunset, mm-hmm. a band of yellow. And he carries that band of yellow into the house yes. for the duration of the story. That it's not not to say that, I don't know, that the house is awash in yellow, but rather that, that we are focusing on the the family and the the objects being the manipulated by the family. But we're focusing yeah. on the glow, exactly. Yeah. What a great choice in in how each of these moments, these snapshots are framed. Hey there, book nerds. You know what's even better than hearing bookmakers share stories of how their ideas became the stories you love? Having those stories in your home, your classroom, your library, or your life to be enjoyed over and over. Bookshop.org allows you to purchase your favorite books from the show and support local bookstores while doing it. I even maintain lists of all the books shared each season, so it's easy to find what you're looking for. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop, or use the link in the show notes to find your next favorite story. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's the brilliance, I guess, of, of, of AG and, and being an illustrator and being able to, to tell and elevate the story through his art, which he definitely did. I mean, even carrying that color palette um, those those soft and muted tones, you know, I mean, which was is a lullaby in and of itself, you know, in art form. It, it, he just did an amazing job. I gotta say, like in this, probably in all of AJ's work, in all of AG's work, but in particular in this book, I couldn't stop looking at the the wrinkles in the family's clothes, the the like stretched muscles of of all of all three of the characters the mother and father yeah. and baby that just felt like we were catching a moment here i think about like one of my favorite illustrations in the entire book maybe yours as well is when they're at the table praying before, oh, <laughs> before yeah. dinner and yes. dad has one eye peeked open and so does the baby and the it line reads your, your line this is the greatest your line reads Hands together as we bless food that will wind up a mess. <laughs> and, then and then the next page. We have to wait for a page turn. We have to wait for a page turn. That's okay. You're learning. Yes, independent baby. You have to wait for the page turn. That drama of that is wonderful. Wonderful. But he's I mean, not, yeah. I mean, even there, like when the baby is, is grabbing the spaghetti and you can see it, it it like I'm we're on a podcast and we're not using video, but I'm literally holding up my hand, clenching my fist to hold that spaghetti in that same way, and that's what AJ does. AG does over and over in this book is is bodies in motion, bodies holding up things, bodies engaging. It's there's an intimacy there that you, that you can't fake, and he does so well through his art. AG, if you're listening, mad props. (laughs) Yes, yes. And you know, AG, at the time that um, he started this book, I think he had just had his second son. 
and his older son was, was still a toddler. So he was in the thick of this. So I am quite sure that just as I did, he was pouring his, you know, his day-to-day um, interactions and, you know, with his own children into into the artwork. And like you said, I, one of the things that I um, noticed and appreciated was how the baby clutches the mom's shirt yes. um, when he's crying. That, that's one of the things that, you know, I, I, that, that just gave me like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, and you can so, see the wrinkles in, in yeah. the, the neckline pulling down slightly. Yeah. And it might be the only page where we have the parents not smiling. And yet the smiles are different, aren't they? The smile that mom gives when the baby's throwing the milk is like yeah. one of those. I mean, we've all done that smile before of like, of course you're going to throw it. I'm going to pick it up. This is now our game. I pick it up and I put it on wherever you are and then you throw yeah, it again. Yeah, throw it again. <laughs> absolutely yeah you're right there's there's a maybe a a sense of of lived in experience in Mm -hmm. the art here that just feels like ag knows and and knows that the reader is going to know as well exactly and i think that with his images um this becomes as much a book for the parent as it does for the baby without a doubt Um, yeah, and, and it's definitely for both. Um, I, I, I've I had parents or adults tell me, oh my gosh, you know, this is our family or this was our family. Oh. And then I've had, you know, them say, oh the, my gosh, this is my baby's favorite book. You know, you know, we read it every night. And so, yeah. You? That was that. <laughs> I, I want to now, see, now I'm curious about, about where what moments in here are you or are you and your family? The the line about rubbing your eyes to Coltrane's song made me immediately think with my son in particular, who's now he's going to be as of recording this, he's 10 tomorrow. Um, but, but he, happy birthday. He, um, we always played the beach boys in particular. We always played the album pet sounds by the beach boys and would dance and sing and calm him to wouldn't it be nice um and 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 moments like that and i wonder were there songs that you can recall from any one of your kids just just you know those songs that that artist didn't write it for you and somehow it's 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 so deeply woven into your family story now absolutely we would sing, especially my husband. Um, he would dance with my older two when Aww. they were babies, <laughs> and he would hold them. And he he was known for always having having one. They're two years apart, and having one in one arm and one in the other arm. And he would dance. And some of our favorites were um, Ray Charles. We had a Best of Ray Charles album. We had a Temptations, Best of the Temptations album. But the one song <laughs> that at least my middle daughter really remembers is called Beans and Cornbread. <laughs> and it was from, I think, the Crooklyn uh, soundtrack, the Spike Lee movie. Okay. And um, Beans and Cornbread had a fight. <laughs> beans, not cornbread, out of sight. <laughs> and um, yeah, the Beans and Cornbread, that was... That's and it was song. it's part of your family. That song yes. is part of your story. 
That's so wonderful. One of those those magic songs, like I mean, this is why it's so beautiful that you mentioned Coltrane by name that way, is mm-hmm. that that those songs, I cannot li- I I listen to the Beach Boys all the time growing up, um, or not as a child, but but when I when I was starting to discover the music that I was into, then mm-hmm. I found Pet Sounds and I found these different albums, but now. There's there's no way to separate hearing that song from thinking of my family in yeah. those moments. And it's beautiful that you give that nod in that way because because I think if this book is being read by parents who are expecting, parents mm-hmm. who have just a newborn baby, mm-hmm. I think back to that time and think, I didn't know it then. But yeah. you know, 10 years later, and I will continue, I think, to have these moments, but 10 years later, I'm like... The, that was the song that became our song. It just because it just did. Yep. That's great. Exactly. Exactly. Same here. So beautiful. You um, give us really subtle nods to this family throughout the book in those little ways of, of playing with the pots and pans of, of um, blessing the food before we eat it, of dancing to Coltrane. I think also of the Spanish that's, mixed into uh the text was that a choice all along it it feels so so rooted in in like a truth in like this is a real family let me show you who they are but i I wonder where that came from for you um well i am originally from miami florida and so i am and i have always been quite aware that Um, Blackness is diasporic. And, um, you know, we speak all types of languages. We come from all types of places. And also growing up in Florida, you know, um, lots of Spanish. Lots of Spanish. Lots of Spanish. And so, um, yeah, that was always my um, vision was to, to make this book kind of you know, to write it more through a a diasporic lens. And so in my mind, you know, one of the parents uh, would be African-American and one would be Afro-Latinx, you know. Um, So, yeah, I I wanted this to feel like a love poem to all to all brown-skinned children Mm. um, in general. and to all black children, you know, all over the world. I just, I just wanted it to be, um, it was my love letter to them. That's so sweet. Um, Oh, yeah. When you wrote this, so you found the rhythm, you found the structure. When you, if you can recall, as you were writing this out, did you find yourself sort of walking through a day from, from sort of dinner to bedtime? Did you find yourself um, having to add in places or sort of stretch out other places? I think that by this time, um, this stage in my writing career, I kind of know that the story has to be grounded in um, something, um, a lot of times in time. Mm. And so, uh, I knew that, you know, I was going to have to 
have a, a linear process. I wasn't going to be able to like jump around from, you know, morning to afternoon sure. to night to, you know, so, um, I, I don't know. Again, it's just part of that muse. I sit, I sit in front of the computer and once I kind of get the first line, like the image of where I want the story to start. And at this case, it was, you know, they were going to be outside playing and then they were going to come inside and, just go through the the rest of the the routine then that's where it took me um i can't you know honestly remember or how many times i had to go back and say uh maybe i don't want them to do this i want them to do that but i know that (laughs) but i know that you know the timeline you know the starting outside with the setting of the sun i in fact i imagine that i probably as i often do came up with that first line and that was i was often running got it so yeah so that's typically how i work but i definitely wanted to include those um those memories that I had, the pots and pans had to be in there because that was a major deal. Um, dancing together had to be in there because that was something we did all the time. C- had to read, you know. W- you know, I-, I-, I would be letting myself down if I didn't include parents reading um, to their children before bed um, as we did. So, yeah, that's, that's just kind of how it evolved. I think that being able to sort of craft a I don't know greatest hits of bedtime routines um uh, of being able to to touch on those notes and then step back and ask what 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 needs to be changed or edited or taken out or or where is there too much or too little right makes sense to to end on to end as we as you know you the greatest place to end is bedtime is in the hands of your parents being put to yeah. bed. Um, yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I love yeah. too that the, the, the last moment we have with the parents and the way the lines are broken up, the last moment we have with them before the baby is in bed asleep is lie you down and tuck you in. Buenas noches, baby. We love you. And then there's the page turn to sweet brown baby. Uh, that that notion of being cared for, thought of, looked after every single moment is is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think I wanted to give parents the words um, to say that and more as they're reading this story to their child. Um, you know, the words that just, that say, I love you and I cherish you and you are special to, to me, to us. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that was another goal I had to, you know, to give parents the, the words through the, through the text and, and images actually of this book, just to love on their babies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to, I mean, <laughs> it's not. I, I, no, that's wrong. I was going to say it's not often that parents get to see themselves mirrored in books and mm-hmm. or or a window for the parents in books to 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 have that. But but that's wrong. The, those moments are always interwoven. Yeah. But to be so direct in this book of again, AG gives gives mom holding baby and dad holding mom. It's yeah. just a 
connectedness that that I think transcends. You could put anybody in that position. That's right. And know that 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 baby is the entire world of that person holding that baby. Even if there are other kids, it's it's that that yeah. paradigm of I have two kids and they are both the entire world to me. Right, right. But in this moment, as I'm laying you down, I want you to know that I feel that way about you. You are my entire world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something that we all have in common, right? Uh, You know, as as parents, um, you know, no matter uh, who we are or what we look like, um, where we come from, um, you know, we, we have that in common. We love our children. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I, um, I'm going to close our time together, but I wanted to ask first if, if you have any other things, thoughts, whatever you wanted to share before we close our time. Did we miss anything, Tamika? Well, I just want to, to reemphasize that um, Brown Baby Lullaby is a book um, where... I intended to to sow some particular seeds hmm. um, in children in in our in our in our babies at the youngest age. For black and brown children, my goal was to or is to plant seeds of self love and and the knowledge that their lives are valued and valuable. Um, I I also want to plant seeds in non-Black or Brown children uh, of inclusion and and of and of the same thing, you know, the knowledge that um, Black life is valued and valuable and and important, and so um, I think that this, when we talk about you know anti-racist literature and the work that we're doing right now, I, I just want people to recognize that this is a very uh, uh, loving and important. It's going to be a loving and important tool, you know, to do that to plant those seeds that are really going to be important in 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 our in raising the next generation to be less biased than we are. I was particularly struck by reading a lullaby book that did not use animals. Yes. That did not use all babies, mm-hmm. but but valued this family mm-hmm. because I feel like by focusing in on one family, it also communicates the value of each family That's right. over all families. I feel like sometimes we, we, uh, we can run that risk of overgeneralization. All families are important. All babies are cared for, but to give this moment of this family caring for this child, I think it, it goes right back up to the top of speaking to black joy of, Mm -hmm. of love, of, of humanity, right. Of, 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 of also, I mean, I constantly think as a librarian and as a person that reads to my kids, as a reader, I think about 
um, what kinds of stories outside of um, outside of how my family and how the the individuals in my family identify what kinds of stories am I sharing to help glorify the humanity of other people mm-hmm. right um, yeah. and I think that there are there are an awful lot of books with black characters that um, that might be centering on black pain and there's value to that Mm -hmm. but to have that be the only thing Mm -hmm. is not okay and i know that's an obvious statement to say but i think that your book it's true it's true and i think your book holds up as a testimony of 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 remembering the importance of valuing and honoring the humanity of, of everyone and of each one so thank you for that. You make beautiful books, Tamika. Thank you. <laughs> you thank do. You so much. <laughs> thank You're you. welcome. Okay, well, this, I have had such a joy talking to you, but I want to make sure I give you a chance to speak directly to your readers. And in this case, I know that readers take all shapes and forms for this book because it, it could be big siblings and it could be mm-hmm. the, the babies or the parents or whomever. So... I'll ask it the way I do, but I, I I know you know I mean everyone. Tamika, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? You can tell them that I believe in them, that I believe in their infinite uh, possibility, and that I want them to believe in it too. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.